You're listening to the Ultimate PT Podcast with The Training Room, bringing you the latest news, insights and education from the world of personal training. Hi and welcome to episode 3 of the Ultimate PT Podcast. My name's Luke, I'm one of the health and fitness tutors here at The Training Room, mainly responsible for looking after the Leeds and Sheffield Academies. First of all, I just wanted to give a quick mention to Dan and Martin who presented episode one and two of the series. Um, I will actually be making reference to a couple of things mentioned in those episodes um, throughout this one. So if you haven't had a chance already, make sure you go back and listen into episode one and two as it will help you out a lot with, with the things we discuss here. Um, so this month we're going to be looking at nutrition. I specifically just wanted to discuss a few of the more popular diets that are out there at the moment. I think one thing that happens quite a lot nowadays in the fitness industry, especially since the boom in social media, is things like nutrition, training techniques, etc. will have a massive rise in popularity. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon, so to speak, and then once it's had its day, we all move on to the next big thing. This more often than not happens with no scientific-based evidence to back it up. It's just literally someone's opinion. Most likely, this is usually the opinion of a social media influencer. I'm a massive believer that as a PT, or as an aspiring PT, if you're giving advice out to your clients, especially nutritional advice, then you should be able to fully justify why you're asking your clients to do what you're asking them to do. You should do your own research into the pros and cons of each diet, and then give your advice from there. Don't just take someone's opinion as a fact. So throughout this podcast, we will weigh up the pros and cons of some of the more popular diets, and I will fully justify why I'm giving this advice out. I'd just like to say before we get started, I am 100% not a nutritional guru by any stretch of the imagination, but through trial and error and my own research and investment into myself, I've managed to see what works and doesn't work. And when I say works, I mean you can do the diet in the long run. Now this is really important. Most people nowadays just start a diet um, for the quick fix, so that short term fix. Um, but we need to be looking at diets that we can do in the long haul. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Okay, so the first diet we're going to have a look at is fasted dieting. Now this is usually done by completing a fast for anywhere up to 16 hours at a time, followed by a 6 to 8 hour window for eating. There's also different variations of this diet, such as the 5-2 diet, which involves massively restricting calorie intake for two days, followed by five days of normal eating. Now, the beliefs or perceived positives of this type of diet is that throughout those fasted periods or calorie-restricted states, the body will be forced to use stored body fat as energy due to the fact that we aren't consuming carbohydrates. Now, there is some truth behind this, and don't get me wrong, you will definitely burn some body fat, but the massive downside here is that we will guaranteed burn a much higher percentage of muscle mass than you will fat. To understand why this happens, we need to have a look back at a couple of hormones which Dan discussed in episode one. So again, if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen into that episode. Uh, Dan goes into quite a lot of detail on his favorite subject of hormones, so he does explain them really well for you. Um, I'm going to presume that you've been back and listened to that podcast first before we go into this next part, uh, as I'm going to be referencing back to 
different hormones such as leptin, ghrelin, insulin and cortisol. So if we have a look at leptin first of all, throughout any lengthy period of time really where we aren't consuming sufficient calories um, for our body's basic needs, your leptin levels will dramatically decrease. Now this is where your kind of faster dieting doesn't really work um, as drop in leptin levels will cause your metabolism to slow down and instead of your body utilising more fat as energy, it will actually hold on to as much stored fat as possible. This is often referred to as a starvation response. Um, we also need to have a quick look at the hormone ghrelin as well. Our leptin and ghrelin levels work in direct opposites. So as your leptin levels drop due to not consuming enough calories, your ghrelin levels will actually spike through the roof. So this will actually cause your brain to tell, basically tell you to go and look for food. Um, so you'll have that constant feeling of hunger. So all the time you're fasting, you'll just want to go and find food. Usually this food will be um, sugars, so carbohydrates, as that's your body's main source of energy. Uh, especially your brain, your brain needs sugar. Uh, so it's gonna tell you to go look for a sugary kind of food. Um, so by fasting, you're basically putting yourself into a state where you're slowing your metabolism down. Your body wants to hold onto as much fat as possible due to those lower leptin levels. But not only that, you will have a constant feeling of hunger and a craving for food. Uh, and as mentioned before, this is usually going to be a carby source of food, so you'll want to go and find sugar. Uh, this is where the old mind over matter argument comes into it. Yes, you can push yourself through the diet, but ultimately your brain will always win the battle. Uh, if it's telling you to go and find food, that's exactly what you're going to go and do. Um, you can be as dedicated as you want to your diet, but trust me, you, your brain will always win. Um, the next thing we need to have a quick look at in relation to faster dieting is where we're actually getting energy from if we aren't consuming carbohydrates and our body's in that state where it's trying to preserve and keep hold of body fat. And the answer is, believe it or not, muscle mass. So all of that earned muscle mass that you've been grafting um, for in the gym, your body's now going to go and attack that and actually break it down into glucose um, so we can use it as energy. This is what's known as gluconeogenesis. So basically it's the breakdown of protein to convert it into glucose. Uh, this is the part that surprises a lot of people. Because um, believe it or not, your body would actually prefer to break muscle mass down to be used as energy as opposed to body fat. Um, we're tr remember, we're trying to hold on to as much body fat as possible due to those decreasing leptin levels. Uh, and it's actually much, much easier for your body to break muscle mass down than it is to break fat down. The reason why, uh, one gram of protein offers around four calories, whereas one gram of fat offers around nine calories. So simple maths, which, would you, which would your body rather keep hold of? Is it the store of energy which offers nine calories per one gram, or is it the one that offers four calories per one gram? And obviously the answer is fat, guys. It would rather keep hold of fat than it would of muscle and it's also going to break that muscle mass down a lot easier as well. Um, also to be considered here is the fact that muscle mass um, actually costs a lot of calories to keep. So that's why people who carry a lot more lean muscle mass will naturally have a higher metabolism. So if your body recognises that it's costing a lot of calories to maintain this muscle mass and you're in a fasted state, it's actually going to want to get rid of some of this excess muscle mass um, so it doesn't cost as many calories every single day. Um, the last hormone to have a quick look at here before we move on to the next part um, is the hormone cortisol, 
which is known as our stress hormone. And again, Dan did cover this quite well in his podcast. Um, cortisol levels are going to increase dramatically during any fasted state. Uh, the body break basically recognises it as a stress. Um, so if you're not putting calories in, that's a stress on your body. So as cortisol levels um, increase, you're going to feel a lot more lethargic, run down, uh, irritable, maybe even things like headaches. Um, stress levels are obviously going to be through the roof. Um, and the main part is you're, you're going to be constantly craving for food again. Now, usually this is going to be some sort of sugary food that your body wants. So as cortisol levels increase, you're going to be craving that sugar again. And anyone who's dieted or fasted for a long period of time will know what I'm talking about there. Um, high levels of cortisol also cause your body to hold on to body fat again, uh, believe it or not. So as well as um, kind of breaking muscle mass down, which we've talked about, um, you will actually hold on to body fat through increasing cortisol levels. Um, cortisol also promotes gluconeogenesis, which I mentioned earlier. So when cortisol levels are high, um, the body will actually go breaking that muscle mass down so we can convert it into glucose. Um, obviously, this is not a good combination if your desired goal is to burn fat and increase lean muscle mass at the same time. Now, just before we go on to the next part, I know there will be massive advocates of the fasted diet out there and their argument will always be this is why you have the six to eight hours of eating around the 16 hours of fasting. Um, it, you know, it will boost your leptin levels when you're eating, it's going to decrease your ghrelin levels to satisfy those hunger cravings. Um, and this is where people are usually misinformed in my opinion with things like cheat meals. They think they can starve themselves for 16 hours and then go and smash a burger or a pizza to kind of get those calories back in again. Now my argument to always go against that is what do you think your body is going to do with those excess calories that you're smashing in those 6-8 to eight hours? And the answer is always going to be, it's going to store them like crazy. Now, yes, 100% you will stock up on glycogen levels. So we've depleted uh, those glycogen levels in the muscles and the liver. You're going to stock those back up again. Yep, definitely. But all those excess calories, especially if you're having things like cheat meals, um, where you're getting a lot of excess calories, um, your body will happily lap these up as um, stored body fat. Now, the main reason for this um, is you know, your body's a lot smarter than you are. So trust me, your body knows that you are going into a fasted state again tomorrow uh, or over the next 24 hour period. So it will happily you know, grab all of those ex excess calories, stock up on fat stores, ready for that next fasting session that you're gonna throw at it. Always remember, I teach this to my students every single day, we as human beings are built for survival, so not for looking good, which is again is a massive misconception. Your body does not care how good you look, how much lean muscle mass you've got, um, how low your body fat levels are, all it wants to do is survive. So it's not just going to burn body fat off and increase lean muscle mass over the top of protecting itself if you're not fueling it properly. Um, so in summary with this diet, yes, we do have a lot of potential to burn body fat during a fasted diet, but we also run a massive risk of burning lots of muscle mass off as well. Whilst lowering metabolism, um, storing excess body fat when we do start to eat normally again or get those increased calories in. Um, so for me on this one guys, the negatives far outweigh the positives with this type of diet.
Okay, so hopefully that last section gave you some good information to take away on the fasted diet. We're now going to move on to the second diet, which is very popular nowadays, is the ketogenic diet, also known as the high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, so in this type of diet, we are reducing carbs massively to little or zero carbs per day, whilst also keeping protein levels moderate and fat levels very high. The belief here is that because we're having little to no carbohydrates, then similar to the fasted diet really, we are forcing the body to break down and metabolize some of that stored body fat as an energy source, as opposed to those carbohydrates which we would usually be consuming. Uh, the plus side to this diet is the fact that you are still keeping the calories coming in, so the calorie content is still high, which means theoretically the leptin levels should never really drop. Uh, which in turn, the metabolism will stay up as well, especially if you're exercising during this diet. Um, you know, the body will happily kind of burn off some of that stored energy um, as it recognises that those leptin levels are still up. And we're also getting plenty of fat into the diet as well. So because we're getting plenty of fat into the diet, provided that's the right fat that you're consuming and we're getting healthy fats in there, um, it's less likely to kind of hold on to fat as energy. It's going to actually get rid of some of that stored body fat because it recognises that you're consuming it on a daily basis. Um, ghrelin levels will also remain low or in check um, as we are still eating. And because we have a lot of fat content in the diet, in this type of diet, uh, we'll actually feel a lot fuller for longer, which is a massive positive. Um, downside to this diet, um, a lot of people overlook this really, but these effects don't just happen overnight, uh, you know, as per popular belief. You need to kind of teach your body to get into this ketogenic state. Um, it, you know, if, if, if you're going from kind of like a perceived normal diet to a ketogenic diet overnight, you're not just going to start melting body fat off like a lot of people think you do. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of say to people or say to clients, you're not consuming carbohydrates, therefore your body's gonna burn body fat off as energy. But like we spoke about earlier, guys, think about it logically. If you aren't consuming carbohydrates and your brain needs glucose as energy, your body's gonna go looking for glucose or, or sugar. So like we spoke about earlier, it is going to break down muscle mass to be converted into glucose. It's not just gonna tap straight into your body fat stores Again, they take a lot longer to break down. It's a lot more effort to break down fat than it is muscle. And muscle costs a lot more calories to keep as well. So if you're not consuming that glucose um, and you're kind of like doing this as an overnight fix or a quick fix, you will definitely burn muscle mass off as energy or to be converted into glucose. Um, another downside to this diet, which a lot of people overlook again, is kind of like the initial feelings of fatigue, stress, uh, you know, your cortisol levels are going to be very high again. Cortisol, as we discussed, promotes gluconeogenesis, so that breakdown of muscle mass. Um, you're going to feel hungry at first, even though you're still consuming calories. If you're used to consuming a lot of carbohydrates in your diet, especially, uh, you know, refined, sugary carbohydrates, you're going to want to consume those. Your body's still going to be looking for those of that initial phase. Um, headaches again, you know, you're going to be quite irritable, definitely stressed at work. Um, you know, you're going to experience all this kind of stuff as your body transitions into that state of ketosis. Um, you're not just going to, you know, feel fantastic overnight, especially if you're used to consuming those carbohydrates in your, in your daily diet. Um, you know, this is why, again, as 
PTs, as healthcare professionals, we need to ask ourselves and ask your clients really, are you realistically going to maintain this diet for the rest of your life? If the answer is no, then why are you even starting it in the first place? Um, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't do this type of diet, I'm not saying that at all, um, but if you can't maintain a diet for the rest of your life, then realistically you shouldn't be on that diet in the first place, definitely not just for a quick fix. Um, because once you go back to any kind of, again, perceived normal eating, what people call normal eating, your body's just going to go grab all of those calories again that, that, that you're consuming. Um, now, the massive benefits of this type of diet, which far outweighs the others really, um, is the fact that we can control those insulin levels a lot more. Um, so, you know, you know, Dan covered this a lot again in his podcast, so I'm not going to go into too much detail um, it's pointless covering the same information, but if your client is, you know, particularly overweight, even obese, um, there's a high chance that they're going to have what we call insulin resistance or problems with insulin resistance. So, because they've been getting a lot of sugary, refined carbohydrates in their diet, sugar levels are going to be all over the place. Therefore, insulin levels are going to be all over the place. Eventually, that's going to lead to insulin resistance. So, if we can transition that client onto a very low carbohydrate diet. Uh, increase fat levels, increase protein levels. Therefore, we're going to get those insulin levels in check. Um, and obviously, that's that's a massive benefit to anybody if we can get those insulin levels controlled. Um, very similar diets here also to discuss are things like your high carb low carb days so a lot of people confuse this with your ketogenic diet this is why i said earlier a lot of people don't actually achieve what we call ketosis um, they do more what we call carb cycling uh, very popular diet nowadays um, a lot of people confuse this with you with, with your ketogenic diet um, i'm not going to go into a massive amount of detail on that because you know the positives and the the um, negatives are pretty much very similar to what we've discussed already um, and it, it would be a whole other podcast really for um, the pros and cons of that type of diet but I just wanted to mention it very quickly um, as I think a lot of PTs especially kind of put the client onto this type of diet high carb, low carb days um, you know the amount of times I hear personal trainers say you know chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli to the clients you've got to remember that not everybody can do that type of diet, um, especially if they've been eating you know, certain type of foods in the diet already, they're used to a certain type of diet. Um, so in this next section, we'll have a quick look at what we should actually be advising as clients to do and what's going to be best to advise as clients to do. Right guys, so we've covered a couple of the more popular diets in the fitness industry nowadays. I just kind of wanted to wrap this episode up with a segment on what sort of nutritional advice we should actually be giving to as clients. Now, just for clarity again, like I mentioned at the start of this episode, I definitely don't consider myself to be an expert in nutrition. I never have, I never will. I actually want you to go away from this podcast and do your own research into the topics discussed. You know, kind of make up your own mind from there. All I'm trying to get across to you is that you just need to stop listening to people um, if they can't justify the reasons why they've told you to do something. So what sort of advice should we be giving out? I would say above all, you need to work with the client you've got in front of you. 
uh, and you know aim to achieve their specific goals. Not every diet is going to work the same for for one person to the next. As an example, you know I've personally trained bodybuilders myself for competition. I've actually prepped for comp at around 700 grams of carbs per day. Now that is a ridiculous amount of carbohydrates, and that, that's shedding body fat at 700 grams of carbs as well. So try that out with every single client and I guarantee the majority are just going to be putting body fat on rather than losing it. Uh, On the flip side to this, I've also trained overweight and obese clients as well who have actually benefited from the kind of low carb diets we've discussed today. You know, so in a nutshell, look at who you're training and adapt the nutritional advice accordingly. It's not one size fits all. Uh, On a very basic level, Just cleaning someone's diet up is going to make them lose fat and gain lean muscle mass. It's as simple as that. I see so many people all the time, you know, going from a junk food and refined foods kind of diet to a a massive calorie deficit overnight. You know, just look at 1st of January, every single year, what does everybody do? They just start a diet, they go on a massive calorie deficit, a fasted diet, a low carb diet. And it's not gonna work for everybody if you put them on that overnight. the, the bulk of your clients who want to reduce body fat, which is obviously the vast majority of gym members nowadays, just need to clean their diet up of refined foods, sugary drinks, crisps, chocolate, snacks, and they will 100% lose body fat. They don't need to go on some advanced diet of low carb days, high carb days, ketogenic diets, faster diets, etc. Uh, once you've done that kind of cleaning up process for a few weeks, then you can definitely get them onto some sort of structured plan, definitely. Um, you know, so probably the best bit of advice I can give you really throughout this whole podcast is to, first of all, just clean the client's diet up whilst keeping those you know, small treats here and there for satiety reasons. Um, secondly, is to kind of sit and work out the client's BMR followed by their DCR, so their daily calorie requirements. And then lastly, work out the correct macros to suit their desired goal from those calculations. Um, So if we look at a calorie deficit, so somebody wanting to lose body fat, it's absolutely fine just to take those calories away slowly, um, you know, over the weeks really. So two to 300 calories a day over a week is fine. And then continue to drop it off as the weeks go on. You don't need to go from a very, you know, calorie... Um, dense diet into hardly any calories at all the next day. Um, this is also obviously not going to have any adverse effects on things like your leptin and ghrelin levels, which we've discussed. Um, and in terms of where you need a calorie surplus, again, add the calories in slowly. So two to 300 calories per day for a week and then increase the next week and so on until the client is gaining lean muscle mass. Uh, you know, I think this is where the old confusion comes from with like bulking diets as well, um, which, which is very popular in like, the bodybuilding world. Most people use bulking diets as, as an excuse to get fat, so eat what they want and you know, I'm, I'm putting muscle mass on and I'm putting fat on at the same time. You do not need to put unnecessary body fat on to increase lean muscle mass. Um, yes, a calorie surplus is definitely needed, um, but not at the risk of gaining excess fat. I'm not going to go off on a rant too much about this, uh, you know, as a game we could probably do a full podcast on um, bulking diets and, and so on, um, so you know, I'll, I'll keep it nice and simple for now. Uh, last bit of advice really I can leave you with is to get your clients onto a structured eating plan. 
uh, where they're consuming, you know, four to six or six to eight meals per day, depending on the client. Each meal wants to consist of proteins, carbs, and fats, based on your calculations from your BMR, DCR, and your macros earlier on. And you want to make sure protein is coming from ideally lean sources of protein. Carbs are coming predominantly from low GI sources. Again, we can do another podcast on low GI, high GI carbs. Um, You want more fiber into your diet. So those low GI sources are usually going to carry more fiber. You can consume fibrous carbohydrates as well. And fats need to be consisting of unsaturated fats as well as some saturated fat as well. Now, again, this is a big misconception in the dieting world, fitness industry. Um, Saturated fat gets a really bad name for itself, uh, but people don't really understand the difference between like trans fats and saturated fats. Um, Hopefully that's given you a little bit of structure, you know, towards planning a diet for a client. I wanted to go quite basic in this episode for now, as we've covered a lot of info already. Um, but you know, like I said to you before, it's not a problem to kind of like add episodes on as we go, um, you know, you know, throughout this series. So thanks for listening to this month's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and you can take away some advice to pass on to your clients. We would obviously love to keep publishing these episodes here on the Ultimate PT Podcast. So if you do have any requests for certain topics at all, or even if you'd like me to go into a bit more detail on some of the things discussed today, um, you know, such as your bulking diets, nutritional timing, macros, so your carbs, fats and proteins, etc., then please feel free to leave a comment on here or get in touch at thetrainingroom.com. Uh, please even just drop me an email on luke.crossley at thetrainingroom.com Uh, Let me know what you want in the future and I'll be more than happy to get back to you. Even better than that, guys, it will be great to see you on a course. Even if you're a fully qualified PT already, we do offer additional CPD courses here at the training room. So we offer studio cycling, gym-based boxing, uh, metabolic conditioning circuits, boot camp, kettlebell, suspension training, and we do also offer an advanced nutritional strategy CPD as well. So it'd be great to see you on a course in the future if that's something you're interested in. Next month's episode is brought to you by my colleague Hassett. He's going to be talking about how to make everyday gym exercises a lot more effective for your clients by tweaking them slightly. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that one from Hassett. For now, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Hopefully I'll get a chance to put another one of these together in the future for you. Check out The Training Room on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or visit thetrainingroom.com for more information on our health and fitness courses. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you tune in again next time.